if you will, look in uh, Luke 19, 28 through 40. This is the triumphal entry of the Lord into Jerusalem, uh, setting aside what we honor today as Palm Sunday. Uh, I love to preach this, these, this passage. It has, uh, it has so much in it. You would think that it, it, it wouldn't have a lot, but it has so much in it that I wanna bring out today. Uh, as a reminder to you. Let me read these verses together, 28 through 40. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those uh, who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying the donkey? And they responded, the Lord needs it. Uh, then, they brought, then they brought it to Jesus. After throwing the robes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their robes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. When we handle this today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really work on the word worthy, and when I get to the end of my sermon, I'm gonna bring to you a, a picture of what the word worthy actually means. But I wanna begin in, in uh, saying that he's worthy of the prophecy about him. We were just talking, and I want you to look at Zechariah 9.9. 9. Uh, the... the uh, the picture here is it was prophesied early on and you, you wouldn't think the story of Jesus going into Jerusalem would be prophetic, but it is. And it also has a connection with a lot of prophecy that happens at the end of the week as well. But here in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, Zion being Jerusalem. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. See your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So it was prophesied on this day that Jesus would be coming into Jerusalem on that way. Uh, I, I, want, I want you to see the picture here that Jesus knew the scenario that was going to happen. He told them, you're gonna go into Jerusalem. He told them where to go. You're gonna find this colt. You're gonna untie it. And they're gonna come out and go, why are you taking our colt? Well, do you just tell them the Lord needs it. And that's what happened. And they took it to the Lord. Some are saying Jesus may have known the guy who owned the colt. That's fine with me. But it's also, it could just be Jesus being Jesus. Uh, I, I want you to see there's even a miracle here in a moment that he's, he's gonna ride a colt that has never been broken. Uh, up until when Julie and I were married in 1982, 
Uh, I was around horses almost every day of my life up until we married. Uh, I used to show horses when I was a kid. My dad always had horses. I worked a garden with a horse. Uh, oh, my old racking horse named Bob, you know. Uh, I had that old horse. And my dad, we, we would raise horses and we would break horses. I, uh, I just want to tell you, it, it's one of the miracles here, and you might not think it's that big of a deal, that they put Jesus on a colt that had never been broken uh, and let him ride into Jerusalem, not even really used to the crowds. Uh, so the picture here is the detailed work of God. Sometimes you think he isn't into the smallest events of your life. And it's pictures like this in scripture that let me know that he is. You think he's just about the big stuff, but he's about the details of your life. You're gonna go into Jerusalem, you're gonna find a colt, untie that colt. Uh, they're gonna ask you, why are you taking it? Tell them the Lord needs it. And in verse 32, it says they found it just as he had been able to tell them. Um, but Here's a key point. Here, here's a teaching point in this passage. He said, tell them the Lord needs it. Do you realize this colt wasn't a pet? You know, it wasn't one of the promises you get your kids to tell your kids that, you know, when, when you get older, I'm gonna get you a horse. You know, this colt would represent their transportation. It would also represent their truck where they could carry their goods and their wares and their supplies. Uh, this colt wasn't just there as a pet. It was part of their life. So we, we've, got, we've got to see something here, a perspective that I want to bring out to you. We are so used to focusing on God giving us that you need to focus on the God using and taking things that are yours. We don't often look at that perspective. We only look at the Lord gives let me remind you of the passage. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Lord needs it, is what they said to him, and they released that and said, okay, do you realize the things that you have in your life? Are you willing to let the Lord use the things of your life? Are you willing for him to do that? Have you done this? Are you presently doing this? Uh, I, I just, we just sang the song uh, by Matt Meyer, which is the Lord's Prayer. And I love the part when it gets into there and it says, it's yours, all yours. It's yours and it's all yours. It belongs to you. So we need to get a perspective of not only the Lord giving to us, but the Lord using what he has given us. And we, we use that for the Lord. I remember when Justin and Ashley Ross came in last year uh, about this time of the year and they stayed till June and they were needing a car to be taken care of. And uh, to, they needed uh, a car to get around in. They didn't have one. They came, they brought it to us. We, we put that out there. We really didn't announce it here. But a, a person got the car, paid for their insurance while they used it, and just told them to keep it as long as they need to keep it. I was at a funeral uh, years ago in Muldrow Hill in Marion County. Uh, the pastor of that church, Vic Stansberry, had passed away. Vic had asked me to preach when I first started in the ministry. 
He and his wife, Joan, and their kids have always been good friends. After the funeral, I was outside on the lawn of the church. A lady comes up to me and she said, are you, are you Thurman Eaton's boy? I said, yes. And she said, I thought you were. I want to tell a story about your dad. I said, okay. And he said, uh, we didn't go to your, your all's church. We went to another church, but we had, a, we had a person in our family pass away in Oklahoma and said, we wanted to be able to go there, but our car was not in a condition to make the trip. Said, your dad found out about it. Said, your dad had the oil changed in your all's car, filled it up with gas, brought it to my, our house, pitched us the keys, and said, you all take my car, go to Oklahoma, and, uh, and, and don't worry about it, I'll drive yours around here until you get back. I never knew that story about my father until that person told me. You see, the, the Lord knew in detail which house to send them to. The Lord knew that they would find this colt there. The Lord knew that they're gonna say, why are you taking it? And the Lord said, you respond with the Lord needs it. We get a perspective of God giving us things, but do you have a full perspective that God is also going to use use the things that you have to bring honor and glory to his name. We need to think in that passage. There's a, there's a great lesson right there alone in this story. And there's so many points to this story, I don't know that I could even get to all of them. So realize in what the Lord is giving us and he has given us that we need to be able to use it at his calling. Uh, we need to be able to use it for the Lord. So here's this prophecy from Zechariah that he's gonna find this colt and he's gonna ride into Jerusalem on this colt. And I wanna bring up some other prophecy because he's worthy of the prophecy that is about him. And I could go into hundreds of prophecies, but I'm not gonna do it at this time. I'm gonna use what's happening during this week. When it comes to Holy Week, it, it comes to him being on the cross. Here's another prophecy. Psalm 34, 20, it says he protects all his bones, not one of them is broken. And it's a prophecy about Jesus. Well, I want you to look at John chapter 19, verses 32 through 37. We're gonna walk through this together. We're not only gonna find one prophecy here about the crucifixion, but we're gonna find two of them. And I'm gonna show you why I'm using this in this portion of the sermon of where he walks in and he rides into Jerusalem. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the, of the first man and the other man, that's the thief on the left and the thief on the right, who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs. Romans had crucifixion down to a science. And the way you prolonged your life on the cross with all that agony was that what actually killed you was your lungs would fill up with, with fluid. And so for you to be able to breathe, you would push against your feet and raise your chest up so the fluid would go down and give you a little room in your chest to get some air. Now, if they wanted you to live in agony, they would not break your legs. But if they wanted to speed up the death process, they would break your legs because then you wouldn't be able to push up and breathe anymore and you would die faster. So when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs. In the Old Testament, it prophesied that his bones would not be broken. Since they saw that he was already dead, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. 
when uh, he who saw this has uh, testified so that you also may believe his testimony is true and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Now hang on to that line because we're gonna come back to it. So that scripture would be fulfilled. None of his bones will be broken. And also scripture says they will look at the one that they pierced. They will look. So you had no bones broken and they're piercing his side. And those are prophecies that have to do with this week, uh, which is called Passion Week when it comes to Jesus going in on Palm Sunday. Now, here's why I brought uh, the, the prophecy of the donkey riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Here's why I brought up just these prophecies about no bone broken and his side would be pierced. Um, you need, to, you need to understand Luke 19.32. And in Luke 19.32, this is an important verse for me. Because no matter what people are saying today in the 21st century, they'll, they'll say that scripture is old, that, that it, it's had its day, that it, it's not pointed to today. I want you to look at this verse very closely. Because when you get to the end of your life, you're gonna be able to say the same thing. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. You're gonna find out that it's all going to happen just like he said it's going to happen. So whether it's a prophecy about a colt, him riding a coat into Jerusalem, or him even finding it, sending the two people in to find it, or whether it's his legs would not be broken or his side is going to be pierced. All prophecy of the Lord is going to come true. Uh, there's a lot of people arguing today about this and that when it comes to scripture. And you've got to realize it's all going to be just like he said. Very important verse there. Write that down. You might could use that with somebody, okay? It's going to be just like he said it was going to be. So if these prophecies are true, then all prophecies we know become true. And there's one, there's one that we have to understand, and that is the promise and the prophecy of his return. The Lord has told us, is even teaching about himself, and others have told us that one day he will return. And I believe in that blessed return of our Lord. When I prayed the pace prayer, I raised my hands in praise to the Lord. I hold my hands like I'm holding a bowl. I'm here to accept, that's the A. The P is praise, the A in pace is I accept and receive. The C is I release control, I surrender control. And the E is I live in expectation. And so living in that expectation, when I get to that point, I pray this, Lord, I, I live in the expectation of your return, that you are going to come back. Some people say that's a flighty way to think and it's a, a real crazy philosophy. I, listen, listen, I'm a simple man, all right? I'm a simple man. If the prophecy of him riding in on a horse comes true and a prophecy that his legs would not be broken, no bone would be broken, and a prophecy is that they would pierce his side and believe, then I believe his return is just as true. 
He is worthy of any prophecy that is there about him. So be ready. You need to be ready. You need to be ready for you to go to glory or you need to be ready for his beautiful return. And when he returns, he is triumphal and he is victorious and we know that he is already our king. The second thing I wanna give to you today is he is worthy of our praise. That's in Luke 19, 36 and 38. As he was going along, they were spreading the robes and the other gospels have them putting palm branches down. We know that this is a sign of royalty. This is a, this is a commemoration of a king, a, 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 a kingly procedure that is going on and a procession. It says, now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives. The whole crowd of disciples began to praise him. So it's not just the 12, it's others. And they are praising God joyfully and uh, with a loud voice, a loud voice, uh, to the point it made people uncomfortable for all the miracles they had seen. And here's what they are saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Uh, so this is a procession that is fit for a king. I wanna remind you from our viewpoint today, it's not that he's going to be king, he's already king. And uh, we, uh, we, we can respond joyfully and with a loud voice, and they are shouting with their king, making other people uncomfortable. Matthew, Mark, and John all use the word Hosanna. Luke doesn't use the word Hosanna. Hosanna means rescuer. He is the one who rescues us. We've already been singing about that today. But Luke gives the very same picture here. Even though he doesn't use the word Hosanna, that he is rescuing us. So he's not only worthy of prophecy, he's worthy of our praise to him, of all the things that we have seen him do. And then lastly, he is worthy of our worship. I'm putting the praise and the worship literally together. Luke 19, 39 and 40. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. This is a conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus. Notice in the story, they actually say this to Jesus. They're not saying it to somebody to send it to Jesus. They're saying it to Jesus himself. And they're saying, rebuke your disciples. The word rebuke here is a Greek word called epitomao. Epitomao is a picture uh, that they had really that can be birthed in the Old Testament. And it's like a schoolmaster or a teacher. And if you, didn't, if you didn't learn what they told you to learn and you, you didn't do your homework or you, you didn't get ready for the quiz or whatever, they would take a rod or a stick and they would hit you, they would slap you across the knuckles. I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna really show my age. I remember uh, a, a teacher that did something similar to that. Uh, her name was Miss Blades. And uh, Miss Blades would spank you with a ruler in the palm of your hand. Am, am, I, the, am I the only one that, okay, there's two, three, four, five. Yeah, we'd have been in the detention class, I got a feeling, most of those that raised their hand. 
And uh, Miss Blaze, and I, I, I'm, I'm giving a disclaimer, don't go away going, Pastor Jeff told us to, you know, hit the kids and palm the hand with a ruler. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just telling you what she did. But she would bend your fingers backwards so that it would tighten the palm of your hand. And man, it was, I mean, that ruler, man, she'd just tear you up with that ruler. Uh, to, to get you to behave or to even get you to learn or not disrupt the class so other kids could learn. And it's a picture of that. Uh, the, the teacher was called the pedagogos. And if you didn't learn your lesson, they would uh, tap you on the knuckles with a stick or a rod. That's what Epitomaho has the picture of being. And so they, they were coming to Jesus and Epitomaho and Jesus. The picture is they were warning him, a very forceful warning. Uh, when Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves, it's the word epitomao. He is rebuking them, uh, telling them to cease. So the, the picture here is the Pharisees are doing this to Jesus. They are coming to Jesus with a warning, a forceful warning. You need to tell these people to hush. You need to tell them to be quiet. Jesus responds, if these people don't cry out, then the stones are going to cry out. Remember, we're in the part, he is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of our worship. Uh, some people believe this is exaggeration, that Jesus is just, he's not lying, but exaggeration is you just jack up the story a little bit to make it more interesting. Uh, it's called hyperbole, if you're looking for that in literature. And, but I, I don't believe it's hyperbole. I don't believe it's exaggeration. And uh, let me explain to you why. Everything was made by him. Look at Corinthians 1, 13 through 17 for a moment. I've used this verse 13 through the whole series of thy kingdom come. But he has rescued us, Hosanna, he's Hosanna. Hosanna means the one who rescues. We sing about it today. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. We have redemption, he's bought us back. The forgiveness of sins in him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, hang on. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. I'm gonna dig deep into your theology here for a moment. All things have been created through him and all things have been created for him. He, some of the things that really raise your blood pressure, he's going to use them. Did y'all hear that? All things, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and all things are created for him. Look at verse 17. He is before all things and by him all things hold together or are sustained in our life. 
So when we talk about him saying to the Pharisees, if these people don't praise me, then these rocks will, you can look at that and say, that's exaggeration, that's hyperbole. But I want to show you where it isn't. When he spoke, Jesus spoke creation into being. His words are words that have creation power. He spoke it into being. At his birth, creation responded to his birth. There was a star that marked the spot. Creation responded to his birth. Creation responded responded to him in his life. Wind ceased, waves ceased. He could kill a tree at the touch of a limb. And when, it, when he killed it, it's better than Roundup. You know, I mean, he killed it. <laughs> and he did it to prove a lesson. He could kill a tree all the way down to its roots if he wanted to. And even the dead, those who are created, he raised them from the dead. Creation responded at his death. When he died, the earth shook. The earth shook. Graves were opened up. When he was raised from the dead, the earth, creation, responded to his resurrection. A great earthquake came. And Paul teaches this, that creation is groaning for his return. It is looking for the return of Christ. So the forces of nature do respond to him. It's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration. When the Pharisees said, epitomao your disciples, rebuke them. Tell them to hush up. If, he says, if they, don't, if they don't give me praise and worship, then these rocks are gonna give me praise and worship. And they're looking at him going, you're crazy. And he's going, I know that rock. I know that rock. And that rock knows me. And the point of it is, he's saying, if those who are created in my image do not give me praise, then rocks that are not created in my image will give me praise and they will give me worship. You've gotta realize the importance of that. I wanna encourage you, not only in your collective worship, I wanna encourage you in your personal worship. I'm gonna give you the big five on the screen. We teach this here. Uh, I call this now, if you, I say it this way, if you want your personal Asbury, meaning the revival that just happened at Asbury, then do these things because this is what they did. This is what they did. They did these five. You're going, what happened at Asbury? This is what happened at Asbury. They came together and this is what happened. So I, I wanna challenge you in your personal worship. I wanna challenge you in your collective and the gathering worship. But you're going, well, where do I start? Start at discipleship. We put it in the middle strategically for a very good reason. 
Why? That's, if you're going to say, which one of these do I do first, Jeff? Do discipleship first. Well, what is that? I want you in the Word of God, and I want the Word of God in you. When that happens, when that happens, these four things will happen automatically. It will lead you to worship. It will lead you to gather. In fact, God will send you people that are involved in that fellowship. Uh, you will be free, and you will be courageous enough to share your faith, and you'll get involved in ministry all, all because the Holy Spirit is alive in you. So if you want your personal Asbury, this is how you get it. Uh, <clears throat> this week, we're setting aside Thursday night. We're setting aside a time to have praise and worship. On that night, we know it was the night of the Last Supper. So on that night, we'll be holding and hosting the Lord's Supper. And we're gonna come together and we're gonna, we're gonna sing and we're gonna praise and we're gonna worship. We're gonna take communion together and we're gonna tell the world, listen to me, I want heaven and hell to know that we are setting aside that time to bring praise and worship to him. Do you hear me? I, I, I want the Lord and his angels to know, and I want Satan and his demons to know we are coming to bring per, praise and worship to the one and only, right? To the Lord. And we're gonna take communion and we're gonna remember his sacrifice. And we're gonna give a great big thank you to him in this life that is going on in Holy Week. Here's, here's some questions. Have we become so consumed with ourselves and our own power and our own abilities that we are missing what God has sent us in the Lord. Listen, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a time of perpetual worship. You're going, hey Jeff, you're asking me to think about the Lord all the time. <laughs> I, I, I am. And let it be a time of worship because he is worthy of the praise and the worship that we give him. Have we become so consumed with ourselves and our power and our abilities that we're missing the fact that he sends us? I, uh, I, got, I do my taxes in Camelsville. Dudley's a dear friend. He sits back there. He's more than a friend. He's a brother. But I go back home to do my taxes because I get a chance to go back home. That's all. That's the only reason. And I get to see people who have poured into my life. I went back to pick up my taxes Monday. I was telling this to Amy. And I, I thought, you know, they could just mail it to me, but I felt like I needed to go. Something was there that I needed to go. And I, I even battled with myself. I'm like, you know, I'm only going to be there a few minutes, but I thought, well, I need to go. So I, I drove. I drove there, did what I need to do at the office. And then they got to walk you through what you're supposed to do, right, before they let you go. So I'm back there, and a lady comes in that I've known for a long time. And we were talking, and in 14 months, I want you to listen, 14 months, her mother passed away, her daddy passed away, and her husband contracted COVID and died the very day. And in 14 months, a mom and a dad and then her husband did you know that I didn't, the Lord didn't send me down there for taxes? Yeah, that's right. That's right. yeah. You, you do the big five, that fellowship occurred and ministry occurred. And uh, I, I wrote her, I wrote her a, a song by Steve Green called Safely Home. And uh, it's an unusual song. 
and you're going to see this this song later on in the spring. But uh, it's it's usually we sing a song from us to Jesus, but this is a song from Jesus to us, letting us know that those who are in Him and are our loved ones, they're safely home. They're there. And I wrote that out to her. In fact, there's a guy that we grew up with named Steve Green. I said, it's not that Steve Green. <laughs> this is another one. And uh, I knew, you, you hear me? I knew that draw to just go down there. I, I didn't understand it all, but I did when I got there. So when you, when you do discipleship, when you do that, He'll guide you into worship and, and he, he guided me into fellowship with that sweet soul just to use me to encourage her. And it was worth the trip, no big deal. In evangelism and ministry, do you see what I'm saying? Have, have, have we forgotten that the God who has been sent to us is also a God that sends us? Have we forgotten that? And, and have we forgotten that he is a God that not only gives us things, but then he may ask to use them. And we become really stingy then, don't we? It's all yours. It's yours. All yours. It's yours. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. So I want to leave you with Revelation 4.11 here for just a moment. It's talking about he being worthy, about the worship of heaven. Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have, there's that line again, created all things. <laughs> You've done it. And because of your will, they exist and were created. You, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. The word worthy is a set of scales. It's a picture of a set of scales. And when you balance everything out, when you, through your life, as you balance everything out in your life, you're gonna find out that he is who he says he is. And I wanna go back to Luke 19, 32, Greg. You're gonna find out that he, it's just as he has told us in his word. You're gonna find out that to be incredibly true. This verse is very important to me personally. I, I show it to a lot of people. You're gonna find out it's just as he has said it is. And I, I really work hard to get people to understand and to focus on that. Whatever he has said about the future, it's going to happen. His return, it's going to happen. It's all as he said it would be. He is worthy of any prophecy. He is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of our worship. When you balance the scales, he is who he says he is. This invitation is a time for you to come. If you are here and you need prayer, there's people here to pray with you. If you're here and you're sick, and you need prayer, don't be ashamed to come and ask the Lord. Let people pray over you and for you. You're here, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Let today be a day of absolute surrender to Him. He came to rescue. He is Hosanna, the one who rescues us. I, I, I pray that prayer many times as a pastor. 
Not that I need him to rescue me in salvation now, but I just need him to rescue. I pray that over many of you. That Lord, they need your rescue. So you come, surrender to him today. The invitation is this, whosoever will for whatever reason, you come. So church, would you stand where you are? Counselors, would you find your spot? The team's gonna lead us and you come.